All right, we are again in the book of Nehemiah, and today we're going to read Nehemiah 9, 16 through 37. I'll give you a moment to find that. So Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 16. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land, that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of all good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of their enemies and made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you, and you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. And yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great and mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem Little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves to this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. 
They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Good morning. Wouldn't that be uh, fun if we just did like two of the verses that he just read? No, I'm kidding. That's just mean. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And God, would you reveal to us what you want us to hear this morning through your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we started out by looking at some of this ancient Jewish history that we find here in chapter 9. We looked at God's goodness, we looked at some theology, and something to keep in mind about history is that it is very helpful in shaping our present and our future. And so by looking at history, we can see who God is, who we are, how we fit into those relationships with one another and with God. So let's first just take a look at verses 16 and 17 here. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. We see how ungrateful the Israelites were. God, who had set them free from slavery, delivered them from bondage, who provided everything that they needed. He kept them safe. He gave them hope, proved to them his faithfulness, but they were really ungrateful. And God has remained the same for us today. He's ready to forgive. He's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, does not forsake us. But we tend to repeat our history, don't we? How many people in our world are ungrateful to God today? God who has provided everything that we needed. So last week we looked at God's goodness in his creation that he didn't just create for our survival or for our mere existence, but he provided abundantly. All the senses that we've been given to experience his goodness, yet how many people don't appreciate what God has provided how many people focus on what they don't have rather than what we do have? And so we often act like spoiled brats. And our attitudes need a little bit of adjusting because it doesn't matter how much we have or we don't have because whatever amount it is, we're still dissatisfied. And so some people were so out of touch with reality and for those who find themselves malcontent with their life, Here's something that will help you with experiencing gratitude. I'd like to encourage you to build a relationship with those in our community who are of the refugee community. To listen to their struggles, to listen to where they've come from, what they've lost, and perhaps that will help you live in a little bit of reality. But something may keep you from that. It's what we find here in verses 16 and 17. It's a stiff neck and a refusal to obey, those two things. This is not the only time people have been like this toward God. This has been throughout human history and up to this very present day. And so to look at the ancient Jewish history, we'll look back to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 32. Here's a recording of their rebellion. They have turned to me their back and not their face, and though I have taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. Still happening this very day, no matter how persistent God has been, people still turning their backs toward him. He sent angels. He sent 
judges, prophets, servants, teachers. He sent himself, Jesus. But over and over and over again, people have turned their back on God, refusing to obey, and then we have the nerve to blame God for the ills of this world when history shows us that God is a God of deliverance, a God of wonders, yet we are the ones continually turning our backs towards him. So throughout history, we see God perform wonders of deliverance, but we're not mindful of this history. Just as the Israelites weren't mindful in verse 17, how soon we forget the miracles of God. We'll actually remember the event. What we won't remember is the significance of the event. And we do this all the time. You look at how the world celebrates Christmas and Easter. The event is there, but we don't remember the significance of those days. We'll remember the days that are significant days in our history, but how many people know what the significance of that particular day is all about? And the same thing can happen every Sunday. You come to church. But what's the significance of being here? You remember to worship. You remember to take communion. But what's the significance of those things? Do you expect to hear from God? Do you expect to meet God himself? Like the Israelites, we can be stiff-necked towards God, forgetful of God's wonders. And then look at verse 17 again. We can be disobedient and rebellious and for illogical reasons. Just reasons that don't make sense at all. They refused to obey, stiffened their neck, and then they appointed a leader to return to slavery in Egypt. That's illogical. That's an illogical reason for disobedience, to go back to slavery. Illogical. But this is how we are. We go back to things that don't make sense. You look at history again, Deuteronomy chapter 1 this time. Here's the background. The Israelites sent out a dozen spies to survey the land that God had promised them. Ten of those spies come back and they report back that, you know, the land is everything God said it was. It is. That's what it is. It's awesome. It's great. But we can't go. Because currently there are these people that occupy that land that they're just too strong and mighty for us to overtake them. But then enter Caleb and Joshua, and they're like, we have to. This is the land God promised us, and he encouraged them to go for it. And we pick up the story here in verse 25, Deuteronomy 1. And they took their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Stiffen their necks in disobedience. Because when did God ever do that to them? For them to think, for them to believe that God would destroy them for their faithfulness? That has never happened. So rather than follow God, they wanted to choose a leader for themselves and go back to slavery. Illogical. Numbers 14, verses 1 through 4, reads this. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would... That we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become 
a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Do any of us really believe that we're going to find a better leader than God? Because many people do. Many people look at themselves. Many people look at other people in the world. They believe this. Look at Psalm 106, which is a psalm about this time, about their disobedience and rebellion during this time. And we're just going to read a few excerpts from it. We don't have time to read the whole psalm. So I'm just going to pick some verses from Psalm 106, starting in verse 7. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Verse 8, yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Verse 10, so he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. 13, but they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. 20 through 22, they exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. 24-25, then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. 43, many times he delivered them, God. But they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. We're the same exact way. We're the same. We have all of this history right in front of us, even our personal histories. But we keep repeating things. We know of God's wondrous works. But how soon we forget, how soon we look to idols and not be mindful of God and His promises, so much so that we murmur in our own tents and don't obey the voice of the Lord. And how many times has God delivered us, but we're still rebellious in our purposes and brought low through our sinful lives? It's the same. We're really good at being rebellious and disobedient. We're good at that. Some of us may be wondering about our spiritual dryness. Why we don't receive much when we study our Bibles or when we pray or whenever we practice some sort of spiritual discipline. Why is that so dry? Some of you have not shared your faith in a really, really long time. Or that you find that fellowship with other fellow believers is just a chore. And spiritually, things just aren't happening for you. Maybe it's this. Maybe it comes back to this. Not obeying the voice of the Lord. That we don't listen to His instructions. And some of us are just fooling ourselves. Thinking that, yeah, we're good with God when we're not. Believing that we are obeying, that we are listening to God. But your life does not reflect that. So in reality, you are not obeying. Sure, you're at church. Maybe you're involved in small groups and maybe you serve and you do the right things that appear to be right on the outside. But on the inside, things just aren't right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Because... They were not united by faith with those who listened. See, the good news doesn't benefit everyone. It did not benefit them. 
There may be some of you here who come to church, who serve, who go to home groups and do all the right things on the outside that church people do. But what you're listening to, what you're hearing, has no benefit to you. It's not benefiting you. Haven't you heard this from some Christians? Just listening to what they say when you ask them questions like this. What prevents you from going to church? It doesn't benefit me. I don't see any benefits. I know. It's because of this. And there are those who do come to church and they're not seeing the benefits. Why is that? For those people, I think it's a lack of faith. That you're physically present, but if we're not actively engaged in our faith to live out what we hear from the Lord, from God's word, then we're being disobedient to his word and to that good news. And so it's not going to benefit us. A refusal to obey and an absent-mindedness of God's wonders can be reasons that we're not benefiting from hearing his good news. We've forgotten where we've come from. What God delivered us from. And some of us, we continually, we look back to Egypt, just like the Israelites did, thinking that this life of bondage is better than a life of freedom where God has set us free. Jesus has set us free from the bondage, yet people go back to those unhealthy relationships, go back to those addictions, go back to those things that enslave us and don't allow us to live free. Many of us are rebellious. To be subject to anything or to anyone is just a repulsive idea. We don't want to do that. To be subject to God, to be subject to God's word, that is not us. How many of you like people telling you what to do? That's not us. When somebody tells me what to do, are you just kind of like, that's your knee jerk. You don't like to be told what to do. And so when God presents to us his word and he's telling us what to do, you don't want to do it. And you don't even have to look that hard to find out if someone is subject to God or his word. Because some of us are really good at faking. Like, I could be preaching here now and no one's turned their head to be stiff-necked towards God's word. But inside, you're just kind of showing that you are repelled by God's word and being subject to that. When you're looking at someone who's not subject to God and his word, here are some things that you can look at. You look at people's marriages. It just kind of plays out there. If they're subject to God and his word, you can kind of tell through a marriage. You can tell by their relationships with their parents and their children if they're subject to God's word. You can see those play out there. You can see by their relationships in their workplace. You can see that all play out. Their relationships with those in civic authority. You can see it all play out. And the test to see if one is rebellious toward God can be easily seen in their relationships. See, we can fool people about how we appear outside. We can fool people because we can look all put together, but spiritually, we're just somewhere else. You can be physically here, but spiritually, you're not here. You're doing something else. You're just physically here. But eventually, what's on the inside of you, it's going to show itself. It's going to pop up. And you can hide for a time, but it's going to pop up sooner or later. I want to encourage you, don't go back to the bondage. Don't go back to that slavery. You've been set free 
by Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, the author writes this, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We talked about God's goodness last week, how good is God to love us despite our disobedience, our forgetfulness of who he is and what he's done for us. Let's pick up in verse 17, the latter part of verse 17, Nehemiah chapter 9. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. He does not forsake us. God gave the Israelites so much. He's given them freedom and provision, love, leadership, and they didn't deserve or earn any of it. All of it, God's grace. Everything. Same thing for you and me. All of what we have, God's grace. God has given us so much, he's not going to forsake us. Verses 18 and 19. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. God is so ready to forgive. He's gracious, he's merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he does not forsake us. Some of you may be living a life of rebellion, and even though you're disobedient and tempted to walk away, God is not going to walk away from you. Here's a historical example. Continuing on, verse 19. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Lacked nothing. Everything they needed. God provided. God sustained them. Picking up verse 22. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the peoples of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. God gave them victory even when they didn't deserve it. God blessed them even when they didn't deserve it. Isn't this what God has done for us? He leads us. He gives us his good spirit to instruct us. He provides for us, sustains us, lacking nothing. He gives us victory in Jesus over sin. We're given all of these things, and you look at the end of verse 25. Delighted themselves in your goodness. We have that opportunity. But you look how quickly things can change, even though God is so good. Verse 26. Nevertheless, they were disobedient again 
and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you and they committed great blasphemies. The only reasons why we're still here in our disobedience, in our rebellion is because of God's goodness. Because we keep doing this over and over. Now that doesn't mean that we just get away with our disobedience because in his goodness, he doesn't just allow the disobedience to continue. Look at verse 27. Therefore you gave them into the hand of their enemies who made them suffer. Now this might be hard for some of you to hear because many of us are in the generation of the helicopter parent. And so hearing that we kind of let things happen to kids is just, oh, what? Because you want to, I don't know, take care of your children. We don't want our children to experience hardship, even though the hardship they created. They created it, but we don't want to do that. We got to want to shelter them from all that stuff, right? We want to protect them from all that stuff. And so we have people today in our world who equate love with living life however you want to live it. And those are synonymous when they are not. Infidelity in marriage is not love just because you want to do whatever you want to do. Letting our children do whatever they want to do is not love. There are times we need to let them experience the consequences of their disobedience while being ready to receive them when they want to return. Kind of like the prodigal son. Yep. All right. Verse 27, continuing on here. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you, and you heard them from heaven, and according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. God comes through again. God allowed for them to experience what they created. They cried out. God showed them mercy. You'd figure they'd learn their lesson by now. Do they? No, just like you and me. Just like you and me, verse 28. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you. Right back where they were. Have any of you experienced this? I know that I've experienced this. I know that many of you have experienced this. That you want to overcome a particular sin in your life. And you do your darndest to do it. And sometimes you're successful at it. For a while, you stop doing X, whatever that is. And you're pretty proud of that. And you're pretty good with that. But then, a couple months later, maybe a couple weeks later, you find yourself right back in doing what you were doing before. Right in front of that computer screen. Right back to that relationship that is not good for you. Right back to those addictions that you are trying to break. You're right back there. And you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. God comes through over and over again and God is there for them again. He allowed them to experience what life is like apart from him and many times God delivered them again just like he has for me and you. Verse 29 
and you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. They acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Again. You see this cycle? You don't listen to God, but you look how good God is. Look how good He is. Verse 31, Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Then they came back acknowledging how good God is. Verse 32, Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us. For you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, our fathers have not kept your law and paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Any of this sound familiar with us? Even in their own kingdom and amidst your great goodness that you gave them and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Do we acknowledge the goodness of God? Do we see where disobedience leads? Verse 36, Behold, we are slaves this day. In the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts, behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our own sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Do you see where disobedience leads? Bondage. Leads you right back to bondage. God delivered them repeatedly to experience what God had provided, but they chose to live differently from what God instructed them, and it led to their destruction. It led to their bondage. They knew God's goodness, yet they chose to rebel against God. Unfortunately, we're just like this. If the world was good, if we've been evolving into better people, then why haven't we figured out how to be good in thousands of years? Or according to evolutionists, millions of years. Are we getting any better? Really? We have more slaves today than any other time in history of man. Today, 2015, there are more slaves today than any other time in the history of humankind. We're better? Thank God for His mercy and grace. Because we can see from history that he delivers us over and over and over again. That God comes through. And he is so patient for us to turn toward repentance. He's so faithful and hopeful of us for us to realize that we need him and that we need to turn to him. Much of the evils of this world we live in are because of the outcomes of ourselves. 
We've done it to ourselves. God did not create it to be like that. It's by his mercy, it's by his goodness that we haven't killed each other yet. That we haven't destroyed each other yet. It's because of God's goodness that you and I are still here. Let's pray. Father, forgive us of our stiff necks, of our rebellious attitudes towards you. And over and over again, through human history, Lord, we see how we've turned our back to you. Just in the story of the Israelites, we see them do this over and over again in what we've just read. And even in our personal lives, how we just keep doing that over and over again, Lord. Father, for those who are experiencing a spiritual dryness, God, would you help them to see where their attitudes and hearts lie towards you in obedience? Perhaps there's something holding them back from being subject to you. Lord, I pray for them, for them to experience freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.